Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello, World Service members, and to a lesser extent, Monday only <laughs> listeners. Hey, old. You're all very welcome. Some of you are extremely welcome to today's Open to Everyone Second Captain's podcast, free for all. Hi, Murphy Ken. Hi, Simon. How Hello, are you? Hello. I'm sure it is free for all, but I don't expect this to be an actual free for all, though. <laughs> it could be. I mean, I it could mean, be a free for all, free for all. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, is that what the public want? Paying and non-paying? Who knows? On towards the end of last year, we did a couple of next big thing interviews with young starlets of Leinster and Irish rugby. Joey Carberry, who has won all six matches that he's played for Ireland, including beating New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa. Not bad. Oh, yeah. Old Ad- old man Carberry. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Byrne, the youngest player ever to play for Leinster, who's rebuilt his career after an awful run of injuries. Grizzled this? veteran Adam Byrne. Yes. But such is the speed of the production line at Leinster. It is hard to keep up with who the current young superstar is. Gary Ringrose is now the elder statesman at 24 years, 22 years of age, 22 years of age. I think Robbie Henshaw Murph should actually have the grizzled veteran. He's the imported grizzled veteran. Yeah, but this is what I'm talking about with Robbie Henshaw. I mean, he's so old now that he should just change his name to Bob Henshaw. Yeah. I mean, Robbie is just, Robbie is a young man's name, (laughs) you know? He should be Bob Henshaw. Mm. He should start smoking a pipe, 24. Who do you think he is? He should sail off, sail off into the sunset as far as Step I'm concerned. Step aside, Robbie. Yeah. Have some dignity. Bob, set aside, stand aside, Bob. It appears after a wonder try against Munster and two more tries against Ulster at the weekend that Jordan Lammer is the superstar du jour. 20 years of age, born in October 1997. Ken, mm. you've been watching. What is going on with, with this? I don't understand why uh, there's all these young, talented players in rugby and apparently we haven't had a young Irish player in football since Roy Keane. I mean, what's... We haven't had a young Irish footballer since Roy Keane. Well, you know, Robbie, Robbie Keane might Robbie have something Keane, to say about Danny that, and Duffer, Duffer, and a few others, Richie, Richie Dunn. What's happening there? I mean, 
Is it because... Well, we produce them at home in the in this case, yeah. in this sport. Is it e- everything happens in, in Ireland, so it, it actually is a production. Where it's, it's all a bit haphazard in football. Oh, mm. you you know, you get well coached here, you go over, you maybe make it in England, you maybe don't, you might come back. Is it an IRFU versus FAI organisational thing? I don't know, because most of the top guys we're talking about here are coming from Leinster. They have had the... They kind of have the dominant... Uh, Academy system. Academy system, yeah. Is it that rugby skills are easy to factory produce? I mean, basically all you need is people who can pick up a, and hold onto a ball while running uh, and lift weights. As opposed to the kind of the high-level high level football skills, you know, it takes a village or, you know, a culture, a football culture. You know, you need to, that's a kind of an art that has to be learned as opposed to something that can be machine produced to specification. Interesting. Is that, that, is that feels, what's going on? It feels vaguely attainable to become a professional rugby player. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Whereas you're the statistically best... to become a professional soccer player, it just seems like this crazy out there ambition. Miracle that... shot. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, yeah. if you're the best rugby player in your class in one of like nine schools, you will probably play for Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're the, if, you're, if you're sitting in the classroom right now and not you can stay out of jail, you're podcast, probably going to yeah. end up playing for Ireland. If you look around your classroom, if you're in one of say nine or ten classrooms in Ireland, and you're the best rugby player in that classroom, yeah. then just stick tight. We'll be calling you <laughs> in the next couple of years for a. Hot off the press's exclusive interview. If the tries that Jordan Larmer has been scoring have are purely down, as you say, Ken, to coaching, if it's very easy to coach that, I, I must say the coaches in these academies are absolute geniuses <laughs> that they can get it. You saw that try where he run sidestepped. A li- run a little faster, Jordan. No faster. Sidestepped those four Munster players in the case of the try uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he was at it again against... There was no wonder try against Ulster, but his finish for the first try was good. So I, and just in general, he's, he's, const- uh, he's just constantly sidestepping. It's great. Well... You know, the crowd have picked up it already, so he's um, maybe six, seven games really into his Leinster career, and already he's the player they're looking out for in a team of superstars, in a team that's winning consistently. When we talk to Joey Carberry, right, our angle on it and every angle around yeah. all the interviews that have been done with Joey Carberry centre on his kiwiness. You're a New Zealander, you learn to play the game there, that's why you're so bloody skillful. Yeah. Jordan Larmer didn't Which he backs up, Carberry would yeah, say no, it himself. Yeah, no, Carberry would say it himself, yeah, yeah, that he plays this sort of heads-up rugby, but it seems like Larmer plays something similar, and he, he so you, are we, maybe, is it too easy to say you have to be born in New Zealand to play, to, to run at people? Yeah, well, that explosiveness isn't typically Irish, you would say. Um, you know, that millisecond type thing where you're working off instincts, um, you're seeing, you're almost sizing up what the opposition defender will do before you do what you're going to do. And he has a sense of where the space is. He reminds me a bit of Ring Rose in that, in that he tends to jink into space. So it's not just that he's jinking and beating somebody and then thinking about what he has to do next. It's kind of that he spots it. You see it in the Munster try in Thomond. With each jink, it's taking him into the best possible part of the field to get away from people. And then he has that keen sense of exactly how much speed he needs, which he has it naturally anyway. He has that speed, but how much speed he needs to get to the next portion of the field. And then also just the outrageous ambition to think, I don't need to just beat one person or two people. I'll keep beating them, and then I'll actually run to the line and score a try. People don't finish those chances anymore. You don't see these since the feckin' 80s in Irish rugby. Well, this is what we or said. In world rugby, not Irish rugby. This is what we said when Ringrose first came on the scene, that if he had come on the, the scene at, at the same time as Brian O'Driscoll, you could imagine him scoring loads of tries. Mm. But the fact that by the time he came along, defences were so well organised that while he'll still make the break, almost certainly, invariably, there's going to be some scramble defence. You, you don't just cut somebody open, make your line break and score a try anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can, give it a sh- you, know, you can give it a shot and these guys, these young guys seem to be doing it. Yeah, it's, the point's been made a few times about Larmer that he 
jinx off both feet, which is absolutely essential uh, in that uh, video, opposition video coach will work you out within seconds and then you just get chopped down. But the fact that he does it both off both, off both feet and instinctively and that it takes him into space is the key difference here. Now, there's all those other aspects of defence and kicking game and positioning if he's going to be a fullback. But they all can be coached into you. And he's pretty good at them anyway. I mean, I know he's missed a couple of tackles, but it's not as if he's making glaring errors in those areas either. It's just little tweaks and improvements that will definitely happen. So, World Service members will already know this, but Ken was a real joy to behold last week, wasn't he? Is there, is there a more crashing bore in the whole world? I'm not talking about sport. The whole world than the pro Jose Mourinho. What was embarrassing about that? Manchester United won that game, in case you hadn't noticed. Yes, I know. You're playing in the Premier League and you don't score for nearly a year. You're a striker and you don't score for nearly a year. <laughs> you have to accept that that's not really good enough. It's not really So what odd. I'm saying is to this guy, cheer up. How about you fucking wake up? Wake up. Wake up to what's happening in the, in the world. And stop sending me messages about cheering up on Twitter. And you're tuned back into Monday's podcast. That was Ken in week one of The Smokes. Here's some reaction from our members online. Gary Timothy says, fucking glorious. I found my alarm for 2018. Why don't you fucking wake up? <laughs> Evan Hargaden, why don't you fucking wake up? Best Ken quote ever. Andrew Feldstein, keep it up, Ken. I gave them up in October after 25 years. Yeah. Oh, I thought Andrew... Gave them up when I first read that. I thought it was twenty five years ago. Twenty five years ago, which would have been really impressive. But that's actually only a few months. But you're doing well, Andrew. You're doing very well. You're you're flying. David Lynch. I like Ken before it was cool. <laughs> Kieran Moan, stay off the smokes, Ken. You're ranting his podcast called Keep It Up. A response to Kieran from A. Somebody sends us A. No, he needs a relapse or two just to keep him in that sweet spot. Otherwise, he might not crave them anymore. Mm. Yeah, no, but I mean, when I speak to people, they they say, well, the thing about it is that you. Ultimately, you're not going to feel any different from the way that you always felt. You know, you'll just go back to feeling normal. Maybe you will feel different, but you'll have forgotten that you used to feel slightly different. So this will just become, you'll just be back to your baseline, you know. So, so, uh, so that's that's what you should expect. Don't expect to for this to radically alter your personality. <laughs> but but <laughs> baseline is good. No, a good healthy baseline, non-smoking baseline is is not a bad baseline. To have. Well, the 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 basic advantage of not smoking is you know. <sighs> slightly less chance of well, circulatory collapse and you know all those kinds of things you know so much well bigger than slightly slightly less chance of yeah. those of those things going wrong so that's so that's all uh that's all uh, to the to the good in the coming weeks the world service will have some top exclusive interviews and some big debates more on that to come this week but in the meantime if you're feeling low in january cheer up how about you fucking wake up and become yeah, and become a member of Second Captains for 2018. Treat yourself. It's just five euro a month plus fat at secondcaptains.com and you will have full access to all of our shows. Can't say fairer than that, Murph. Treat yourself. Jordan Larmer is not a bad young rugby player. That's the title of today's chat. Hi, Jerry. How are you? <laughs> how you doing? You well? Not bad, Owen Redden. How are things? Good, good. Now, two weeks ago, the chat, guys, was could Jordan Larmer make sure of replacing the Champions Cup squad, such as the depth mm. in Leinster at the moment. We're going to kick on, Jerry, and start a campaign don't know if we're starting it necessarily, but we're going to uh, trumpet Larmer for Ireland and the Six Nations. Give me one good reason why Joe Schmidt shouldn't pick him or at least have a look at him in the squad. I can't think of one, really. Um, now's the time, I think. He's in flying form. He's on the crest of a wave. Get him in there, have a look at him. The thing about it is, if you, if you want Jordan Larmer to be playing in the World Cup in two years' time, then you've got to start getting caps into him now. You want players going to the World Cup. 
ideally at least in double figures, you know what I mean, at the very minimum, if you're going to bring some young players there. And um, I haven't seen a better talent with the ball in hand, running talent since Luke Fitzgerald and before that Brian O'Driscoll, he's in that, he still could be in that company. Um, I know that's very high praise and we all want to jump on the bandwagon of a great new kid, always spotted him, but he just, even when it's in a glue pot away in, against Benetton or whether it's on a surface like Tom and Park or the RDS, he just seems to glide over the surface quicker than anybody else. So even more so than Ringrose when he first popped up? Yep, I think, think so. so yeah. yeah, I think so. He's just, I don't know if Gary Ringrose could have got that try or any other or young Irish player could have got that try in Tom and Park, the one that Jordan Larmer got because he can step off both feet mm. and he's as well as being really quick. Um, great balance in his running style, um, eye for space. I think he's an exceptional talent. He's already broken into the Champions Cup squad when you think he was on the bench against Exeter. So I'd imagine he'll still be in the Champions Cup squad. Um, the problem, of course, for him, and any young player coming up in Leinster is the depth of talent in Leinster, at Leinster's disposal. And Rob Carney's in a rich vein of form himself at the moment. And would be no surprise if Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster decide to start Rob Carney and whoever else in the wing, but leave Jordan Larmer for impact off the bench again. When it comes to Six Nations, you would have thought there could be an argument for getting Larmer into the squad, at least in the training camp. He's in such good form. Have Andy Farrell work on his defence a bit more, which probably isn't the strongest aspect of his game. And maybe see if he could be blooded against the Italians, even off the bench that day. I think there would be certainly a merit, an argument to having this and certainly to bring him Australia then next summer and play him all three tests. Owen, what do you reckon, Six Nations? Yeah, I think he's, you know, I think you mentioned Lucas Gerrard and Brian Driscoll there. And I think, you know, that the one difference... Um, in Lamour's favour is probably the environment he's entering into. And you also mentioned Gary Ringrose. Like, even for someone, you know, to have somebody so young as a role model straight away speaks volumes about Gary Ringrose. But, like, you know, Jordan is coming in now and he's experiencing this high and he's he's hit the ground running, he's played well, and he, he only has to look a year or two ahead of him to see someone who's had such such success and how grounded they've stayed and how hard they've continued to work on their on-the-field um, skills and and like you know really focused in on 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 what actually makes him a better rugby player or a better professional. Um, and I think in the first two, Brian and Luke wouldn't have had those um, role models in in the group they were coming into. So I think um, you know, and even even you mentioned there about the strength and uh, and the depth that Jordan is facing in in Leinster. And you think you know you've got guys there who have dealt with injuries and they've come back or injured currently and are you know, negotiating the way back to play, or you've got guys who've had peaks in form and drops in form and then come back and played well again. And I think if you think of all of that being thrown into the pot for Jordan and what he's seeing every day in terms of how that's going to benefit him going forward and being able to be, you know, a top-class player, but not only, you know, top-class now, but like in a position where he can be consistently that good. Um, and he's got such great mentors all around him as well. Not to say that he's not ready now, I think, you know, that's that's a call um for, for for Joe and how he sees it and how he sees him fitting the game plan that Joe currently is thinking about. Or as Jerry says, you know, Joe might like he he picks he will decide his game plan based on who he has and then he will, you know, pick towards that game plan. You know what I mean? He he won't just throw Jordan into a team playing a certain way that wouldn't work for Jordan, you know, I think um and I think the, you asked at the start the one reason why you wouldn't put him in and the only reason you wouldn't put him in is because it wasn't what was right for his development. You know, and I think it's about making sure that, that um he's at he's at the right time and Ireland are playing the right way and, and all that kind of um mixture has to go in. And maybe it's now, you know, and, and maybe it's the summer. Um, but he's certainly playing really well, and, and um, you, you can't fault his attitude, especially, you know, um, he seems to be very, very grounded. His interviews after the games are great. 
Um, you know, and it, it's just a great space for him to be in with all those mentors around him um, and as well playing so well as he is. Owen, is there any science or evidence behind the idea that a younger player who hasn't fully built up all his bulk and his muscle yet is more prone to injury? Because on the one side, they may be a little bit lighter than they will be by 23, 24. But then on the other side of it, and you see it with Ringrose, I know he's, only, he's got injured recently, but they seem to never get properly tackled or never get full impact because they're so light on their feet, they're so agile, they're so fast, and they're so confident. Like they're, yeah. All they're seeing is gaps. They're not actually yeah. seeing closed space. They see gaps. Yeah, and these guys are, you know, and these guys are, are finding that space, you know, against, like, if you think about uh, Jordan's try and Munster, I mean, it's it's like, um, you know, it's against full-time professional players, you know what I mean, who've been playing the game for a long time. This is not, you know, Leinster Senior Cup where someone lights up the pitch. Like, this is, this is guys who spent five days, you know, preparing for this game, did their video analysis, you know, would have looked because they're in an Irish team. Would have looked at as even guys, especially guys who they didn't know that well, because that's the way it is. So they would have known more than you or I would have known that 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 um, the Jordan Moore was capable of that, and still he managed to do it. So you're right. Um, I just think they're you know if guys are doing that, it's, I don't think it's got anything to do with their age. It's got more to do with their their, their athletic ability versus the people they're playing against. You know, and I think you, you you we wouldn't to take that away from them by saying they're too young. It's because they're young or old or whatever. I, I, I would I would I wouldn't think that's it. I just think he's got an ability to do that. Um, you know, and hopefully when he's thirty, he'll still have it. You know, I just think um, you know that was an incredible display of, of uh, you know athleticism and against against players that argue I think would have known what was coming I think they would they would have been prepped you know if it was against a, a different team from a different from, from 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 the pro 14 from outside of Ireland you could argue they mightn't have been aware of him and I don't mean that just because he's Irish I mean in Ireland you know as a player you kind of know you're always better prepped than the team you're playing against we, or there's a huge focus on, on preparing vi- uh, video analysis and getting into the detail and I'm pretty sure Munster would have known what was coming I don't think I think they would have been surprised at the damage he did but like any, you know, even probably up in Ulster you know showed a little glimpse of something that was a bit special um, so it just makes what he did even 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 more impressive It's funny you mentioned the environment that he's come into as well which is different for O'Driscoll and Luke and the other players who would have come through with that sort of talent but then you also hear of players who come through and say they were totally intimidated by the brilliant players that were around them there's more to what we're seeing with Jordan than just talent, obviously. There's a certain type of personality that can come through that young and put all their talents on display. Yeah, I think, you know, it depends on what your, what your, what your, what your goals are. You know, I think, you know, I think I've heard Tyke Furlong mention in the press about, you know, people talk about the rich kind of trophy cabinet in Leinster and, I, and, and you've heard him reference that, like, he wants to put something in that trophy cabinet. You know what I mean? That he's not, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't join, he doesn't, Start playing for Leinster and assume all this greatness that 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 other squads had had delivered, you know. And I think that's exactly the kind of mentality you need from players in your group all the time. You need them to be almost competing with those who went before them and challenging them, you know, in their heads. Like you know, while they're on the same team, you still got to have a bit of like, you know, he he won this or he won that. How am I going to, you know, get my behaviours right every day that in the end will allow me actually, you know, put more in that trophy cabinet and one of the first things I noticed about Gary when he came in was his hunger. Like, it wasn't enough for him to play for Ireland or to play for Leinster. He wanted to win for Ireland and win for Leinster. And that's what you need your team full of, you know. And you don't... It's not that they're obsessed with outcomes because outcomes won't actually... Like, results are not the way forward. You don't, you don't like, target, um, you know, winning four high Cubs, for example. But my point is that 
the desire to actually improve and be better on the record that went before you, or to, to have the belief that you could you could help this squad that you're in, and you have enough of them, you can make enough of an impact, you know, both in your your day to day around the, around the place and when you're actually playing, that you can push this club or, or this country to newer heights. And that's what you need. You need people who have a hunger to to win trophies, and then have the you know, and they're in an environment now that you know, yes, it's great having that hunger. But like guys like Leo then are able to, to tell you how to achieve those goals, you know, and how to break that down into what it looks like every day and to focus on your process that'll give you the best chance of achieving them. But you need to have that desire in the first place that, you know, pulling on the blue jersey isn't enough for you and pulling on the green jersey isn't enough for you. That that can't be enough. And I think um he's just another one to me in the way he plays that takes that box. You know, he's not going to be happy going back to his friends who think he's a hero now from school you know they all love him they probably think he's amazing now and they're all hoping he plays for Ireland but he goes to bed at night and that's not enough for him he wants more he wants to win a Heineken Cup he wants to win two Heineken Cups he wants to win a Grand Slam he wants to push the bar and I think that's where that's what you need coming from players and um, and that's the most important thing for a squad um, especially for Ireland and Leinster over the next few years Obviously opponents will start to analyse him more and mm. try to work out ways to stop him Jerry. but he does have that sidestep which is something mm. that's if you're in a little a bit of space, it's almost impossible to stop. I, I would have thought. I mean, the, the, I haven't seen an Irish player really have a step like that for a long, long time, time, if ever. Yeah, a long, long time, and it's off both feet, so you yeah. can go either way. That's the key. Even that little finish when he stepped Jacob Stockdale from Robbie Henshaw's lovely little offload, it didn't look much, but almost beat almost would have beaten Stockdale and tipped Robbie. He barely laid a hand on him. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a lethal step, and that was off his right, and he stepped off his left. And the other thing as well is that. The Irish provinces, unlike the top 14 or English Premiership sides, they depend very much on new talent coming through. You need at least one or two coming through every year to keep because it drives standards up. You look at first Fergus McFadden's form at the moment. I don't I haven't seen him play as we well. We kind of bring time. that up. The, the likes uh, of him and Cronin, yeah. Jack McGrath. It's almost unnoticed. These established stars are having the seasons of their lives. Yeah, I haven't seen McFadden play this well in a long time. Yeah. Looks super fit. He's uh, really strong on the ball. He's elusive. He's looking quick again. And I'm sure that's partly down to new players like Larmer coming into the squad. And of course, James Lowe is a good sign. You can make good signs. But every team needs to be regenerated from within, particularly in the Irish system, by one or two good young players coming through each season. Even Munster, when they won the European Cup in 2006, think two years later, and Ian Dowling, Tomas O'Leary and Barry Murphy broke into the team. And that drove standards from all the other players in the squad as well, because these fresh young players coming through. And I think Larmer's having a huge benefit across the board. And you think then, of course, Ringrose and lots of other young talent coming through as well, like Ross Byrne, who's just coming through on the radar, he's playing so well. Um, they're in a ridiculously healthy place at the moment. Is this the best squad Leinster have ever had on? Um, well, I, I give great credit to the older lads in the squad who would be playing every week in another club. You know, I think it's, you know, and, and to Leo and Stuart for managing, and John um, and Gervin for managing the situation, because it's it's a real positive, what Jerry mentioned, that that the clubs are that the system is designed so that you're forced to bring guys through that's the first thing it shouldn't be like perceived as a negative by anybody that like you know an English Premier team or French can go out and buy someone it's a positive that the system is is in that kind of vein that you have to actually produce talent because in the long run that's what's great for the clubs because you're much better off having a home produced guy than you are buying a guy anyway it's just a little bit more difficult um, but it's much better you're much better off in the end if, you're, if, if you can do that um, secondly, like they have an incredible squad. You're right, and I think ha- having players there. You just mentioned uh, Sean and Jack and Ferg, and I think rather than saying what I'd be saying is 
looking in and having been involved in, in, in very competitive situations myself, rather than saying like Barry Daly or, or Lamore or these young lads are pushing people like Ferg and Dave Carney or Sean Cronin into playing well, it's more a case of, you know, it's not easy when you're an established player and you're, and you're playing really well and you're used to a certain spot in the, in the group and all of a sudden this happens where young lads come through. The question is, can you deliver? Can you, can you keep your form and plenty of people over the years will just dip and die away and you'll never hear from them again. And I think um, that's a huge part of, of, the, of the jigsaw that Leinster have going on at the moment is, yes, they've got young lads coming through and yes, they are playing, but it isn't upsetting the older lads in terms of form. They're managing to stay positive around the group. They're managing to keep everyone's eyes on the prize and the bigger picture. Um, you know, and, and that's really important when you're trying to bring people through that you have guys that calibre that have a bigger sense of, of the collective than they do in, in, individually of themselves and that no one feels like they're, they're, you know, because they're all sacrificing a little bit. You know, every time Fergus McFadden doesn't play in a Pro 14 game and Barry Daly plays or Adam Byrne plays or vice versa, their chances of playing for Ireland for all of them takes a little knock, you know, and they're kind of, they're yeah. kind of dividing this out all the time and they're all hungry, hungry people. And the fact that they actually, you know, remain as a big unit is a real positive um, and a real kind of tip of the hat to those guys as a group. You know, I think it's easier for the younger lads. They come in, they get a few games, they're delighted with, with their with their lot. You know, if you tell Barry Daly or, or Jordan Lamore you're going to get this amount of games this year, they'd all be delighted. Whereas if you flipped it around and said to an experienced guy, look, you're going to have to give up this many games to the younger lads this year, you wouldn't have the same response. And I think that they've managed the situation, they've maintained their form, and stay positive and, and allow this kind of allow us all to be talking about how strong the group is, how healthy the group is, and how how well everybody gets on. And they're all really good factors that put Leinster in a in a very good position um, going into like you know I suppose key parts of the season. Yeah, key parts of the season. I guess starting with the Glasgow game this weekend, Jerry. But uh, Ulster have a home game against La Rochelle. You mm. got to think confidence is going to be low. They were one second half comeback, one red card, arguably away from three heavy enough beatings in a row yeah three Interpro defeats in a row would not have been good going into the European campaign they're a little lightweight up front there's no doubt about it and you'd fear for them in Europe as well in the way that the results have panned out La Rochelle for some bizarre reason made about a dozen changes when they went away to Wasps in round four and lost um, and you'd imagine that's kept Wasps very much alive as well whom of course host Ulster in the final game so Ulster's hopes of progress look the most precarious. Of course, they win both their games. They're almost certainly true. But La Rochelle have been leading the top 14 for much of the last year and a half. They've been the best team in France on form. And if they come locked and fully loaded with Victor Vito and all the rest, they're all blacks. They've signed up and really bring all their heavyweight. Their heavy artillery up front alone could well make them too tough for Ulster to handle at the moment. The way Ulster are set up. And uh, even if they were to manage a win over that, they'd probably then have to win away to Wasps as well the following week, given that you'd imagine Wasps will roll over Quinns um, the way the results have panned out. So it's looking very difficult for Ulster at the moment. Oh, and what did you make of Les Kiss when you came across him as a player? And what do you make him as a head coach now at Ulster? Yeah, brilliant guy. You know what I mean? I'm really clear about what he wanted. He's a brilliant coach. Like, I absolutely, you know... Um, Absolutely no issues at all with him. You know, I think it was a great move for Ulster when, when, when they signed him, and and I think, you know, they just seem to struggle for firepower in terms of a few injuries, and then, you know, losing losing like gain lines first phase or some of their some of the first phase stuff, which is normally X on that one or two injuries there, and and all of a sudden they don't have the platform they're usually um, playing off. You know, and I think. It's been a very, very tough few weeks, and I think you know some of the media stuff doesn't help. Like you're kind of chicken and egg, which comes first? He's under pressure, and then that doesn't help the situation internally. And then you know you get a, you run into a few big games, and um, 
So I suppose it's taking looking from looking look really step back from and looking at it, it's kind of been a perfect storm for for the group, you know. And I think it's in some ways it means as for what Jerry said, you know, this is a huge opportunity for them to turn things around, you know, given the standard of opposition they have over the next two weeks, given the change in competition. You know, I'd be going into the, into the dressing room today saying, lads, you know, this is where we're at. You know, and, and we have a chance. Like, sometimes you're in a really, really bad spot and there's no real, you know, even if you win the next three games against, you know, Zebra, Gwent and the Ospreys, you know, you're still going to be in the same spot because no one's really going to give you any credit. But, like, you know, they're in a position where now, if they do fight their way through this group, you know, I think they might turn their whole season around. Um, and that's what they really need to be focusing on today, you know, straight into the week. You know, big, 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 big people coming this weekend who play hard and fast rugby. You know, they're top, top class team and uh, they really are going to have to work it out for them. You know, it's going to narrow their focus. Hopefully it'll pull them away from all all the kind of pressures they've been feeling over Christmas. Um, you know, and hopefully they deliver a result. You know, as Gary said, you know, even winning this weekend, you know, you, you'd imagine the, the the bruising and, and the physical um, endeavour that's going to take and, uh, and how, how they're going to back that up the following week. You know, it's, it's going to be tough, um, but hopefully they can do it. Jerry, did Stockdale's chances of playing for Ireland or starting for Ireland take a hit? Um, possibly, yeah. I mean, he was—he seemed to be continually the last man beaten for one of the, for the I think, about three of the Leinster tries, and his defence didn't look very hot. And you wonder if his form is suffering with the general um, fall off in form in Ulster as it is. That being said, so often a player comes into an Irish camp and is transformed and goes back to what he was, and he and he has the bank of experience he built up last summer and last November and the quality he produced. So I think that would stand to him uh, in Joe's eyes. Munster go away to France to play Racing. Jerry, mm. at least they go on the back of a win. I think we kind of saw yeah. that coming against Connacht. We, yeah. There had to be. They really had to win it. Yeah, you couldn't see Munster losing three into pros in a row. No. But Racing themselves had a heavy win and a fairly eventful weekend. Yeah, Racing um, beat Claremont 58-6 yesterday uh, their seventh win in eight games um, they've just moved into the U Arena they started life there with a the win over Toulouse three weeks ago then they went away to Oynex which is another artificial pitch and yeah. won there and then they thrashed Claremont last week so on is it Saturday this game Sunday this game Rossi will become the first professional team in history to play on an artificial surface four games in a row yeah. um, they've won seven of their last eight they're in flying form that includes a big win away to Toulon 40-28 now this extraordinary thrashing of Claremont has to be put in some context 58-6 is insane it is Claremont have 17 injuries 17 major frontline players injured at the moment including Camille Lopez um, Wesley Fofana Aurelien Rougerie just joined the, the battered list there recently and they decided they would not take any of their remaining frontliners to Paris like some Morgan Parr and so forth were arrested because they're so far off the top 16 pay, top 6 pace now in the top 14 that they figure they're not going to make the playoffs so they're putting all their eggs in the European basket they're suffering a classic post Bukele de Brenu hangover. It happened Racing last year. It's happened nearly everything. Because if you go all the way through to the end of June to win the top 14, you're in no fit state to start the following season. And hence all the injuries because they probably didn't have a pre-season. So they rested everybody. It was only 26 at half time. Around the 55 minute mark, it was only about 27-6 or so. And Vakatawa, the Racing um, player, made a huge long break up the pitch and was tackled by this Spanish kid um, making his debut, Samuel Ezeala. Um, it's a lovely story. He wrote to all the French clubs when he was 15 and Racing took him into his, their academy when he was 16. 
and he made his debut yesterday and he attempted to tackle Vakatawa, got his head in the wrong place and was knocked out cold. Right. The game was immediately stopped by Romain Poit. Uh, 24,000 capacity indoor arena went completely silent. They even brought sheets out to d- block the view of what was happening with them as all the medics came onto the pitch. Oh. The match stopped for seven and a half minutes. Um, they resumed. The boy's fine. He sent out p- pictures of himself on Twitter later that night, smiling in the hospital bed. It's just concussion. But it was a pretty horrific scene at the time. And all um, Claremont's interest in the game evaporated after. I think it didn't finish till after 11 o'clock in yeah, the end. Yeah, just concussion. It sounds like a pretty serious, yeah, but, uh, but it, serious incident. And it certainly took... A serious incidents of concussion. Yeah, it took it rid Claremont of any remaining interest in the game, or the spirit and so forth. And Rossing ran in a lot of late tries to make the scoreline look what it was. So it's a bit of a, a freakish scoreline and there were bigger issues at play there. But it does serve to demonstrate that the, the Irish teams have been a little bit unlucky because the four French sides they're, they're going to encounter in the next two weeks are the top four sides in the French Championship. La Rochelle and Montpellier, the opponents for Ulster and Leinster over the next two weeks, they're vying for top place. Castro have also won seven in a row until last weekend. They lost away to Agen. But they seem to have rested up as well as they target Europe. But certainly, Racing away in their new U arena where they're two from two and, and the form they're in looks a very daunting assignment for Munster well, now. Last word to you, Owen. Are you giving Munster a chance of getting that done? I think they have a good chance of getting out of the group. Um, between the two fixtures, I uh, like you know, given what Kerry said there and, and the form wrapping sound like they're in, I think um it's gonna be a, a big act this weekend. I think um, you know, losing bone fight will put them in a really good position, um, if they could manage to do that and then, you know, win out at home against Cass possibly. But it's 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 tough, you know what I mean? And um French teams are getting their act together and I think, you know, in some ways with La Rochelle Playing the way they are, you know, it's it's almost danger for everybody for the future because all of a sudden the French clubs and the French presidents have a blueprint in front of them of what everyone should be doing and you know marking themselves against La Rochelle and the rugby they're playing and all of a sudden it's not drive the ball, kick it seventy times in the game and you know and coming to Europe and get totally shocked by the intensity of it. You have a team right in front of their eyes, you know, delivering it week in week out. Um, playing great rugby and kind of beating everyone off the park. And I think, you know, going forward, there'll be concern of mine that a bit like Munster did for the Irish provinces or, or Leinster did following it, you know, this could be the, the, the leading light for the French team that drags everyone with them. And, um, you know, Claremont were, were nearly there for a few years, but but I think La Rochelle at the moment just, just look at a different prospect altogether and, uh, you know, and may, may cause a sea change in, in the French teams going forward. Really, you think it's that distinct a style of play that La Rochelle have that it could it could force other clubs and even the French team to think differently? Absolutely, I think it's it is, and even the way when they went to Quinns, you know, traditionally, you know, whatever about doing it at home, like you often see Claremont at home playing a certain way, and then coming up to Thomond Park or Lent or come, I played against them myself, where they completely changed, and you're almost thinking in your head, thank God they've gone into their shells a bit here because you know they've still got those athletes and they're just not choosing not to run at us, you know, and I think you know watching the way. La Rochelle went to Quinns early on in the competition and just literally ran everything at them and backed themselves and, and uh, basically virtually ended Quinns' hopes in the tournament you know, before they'd begun. I think, um, you know, as I mentioned a lot before, you have teams who are big, who focus on, you know, they kind of say to themselves, we're big and we'll get our set piece right and we'll move guys and, you know, we'll slow the game down and, you know, we'll deliver on it that way. And then you've got teams who are fast who, who, who say, oh, look, we're not that big, but we're fast. We're going we're gonna to move teams around. And La Rochelle had just ripped all that up and said, you know what, we're huge and we're going to be fast and we're going to see if anyone can deal with us. And I think it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, if you're big and you run fast, you're going to be even harder to to, to stop. And, uh, 
know, I think they've just brought a new momentum to the game. You know, it really is um, incredible to watch. Um, and I think, you know, they could be, it could cause a few, um, cause a few problems for, for the rest of us uh, going forward. Okay, well, well, we'll worry about that when it comes down the line. Brilliant stuff, Owen. Jerry, great stuff. Thanks a minute. Cheers, thank you. Simon, let's dish out our inaugural Scumbag of the Week award for 2018. I've got a call here that says you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh God. That's just it. I just Whoa. mentioned, not you, no me. Okay, ain't nobody fucking with my click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my mom. We don't normally click, broadcast all click, the, the stuff that click, comes from scum click, around the country. Click. Robert Fagan, congratulations. The Great Debate is the title of the email. Last long-time listener, first-time scumbag. Never felt the need scumbag. to get in touch until over a few pints before Christmas, a few friends and I got into a heated debate about the following. If you played every minute of every game of the season for Manchester City in your present physical condition, how many goals would you score in a season? Parameters are simple, <laughs> as they often are in these conversations. Sorry, every, minute of, every minute of every game. Yeah. Okay. You must comply with the rules of the game, offside, foul play, etc., but do not have to contribute in any way to the team effort, such as tracking back, marking at corners, etc. You can take free kicks, but Aguero remains the penalty taker. The debate then involved into Part B, under the same conditions regarding the rules, etc., would it be easier to, number one, score a goal for Manchester City, number two, score a goal for Dublin footballers in a game of consequence, three, score... Game of consequence, Championship or League. Consequence would have to be championship, championship at least. Just, yeah, I would yeah. say championship quarterfinal. All around quarterfinal. Easier anyway. Lent- no, I, I, no, a Leinster championship game is a game of consequence for the Dumbledore. Yeah, I know it is, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Score a try for Ireland in a game of consequence. For the sake of debate, we will include summer tours, November internationals. Catch a touchdown for the New England Patriots. Looking forward to hearing your opinions the next time you're struggling for content. You'll have to be badly struggling to actually discuss this. Love the show. Happy New Year, says Rob. Thank you very much, Rob. It's a quiet enough early Thanks, January Bob. Monday. Thanks, Bob. So we are discussing it now. Yeah, I would say, all I've got an answer in my head. But I want to hear Ken's first. What, what, what's the question? Forget about the first bit, how many goals would you score for Man City? And that, that's a ridiculous debate. You can't actually answer that, but you can Nine. definitely answer the second Nine part goals, of it. But whatever. Would, you score, would it be easier to score a goal for Man City? Uh-huh. Score a goal for the Dublin footballers in a match. It's just one game. Yeah. A big match uh, of consequence. Score a try for Ireland or catch a touchdown for the New England Patriots. So what you're saying is I'm on the field, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as myself, on yeah. the team. Yeah. yeah. Presumably you're in the best, so you're a striker for Man City or maybe an attacking midfielder, someone who can score a goal. You're, uh, say, a wide receiver for the Patriots. Oh. You are in the position. You're not, you're not a centre half, you know what I mean? Mm. And you're in your current physical condition, correct? Okay, look, we're, we're ruling out two. We're ruling out the rugby in the NFL straight away. Why? Why are we ruling out the Physically, NFL? Physically, you're just going to be too weak, Ken. I'm, I hate to break it to you. Yeah. 
Yeah. The, the fear of death, even if you caught the ball, yeah, exactly, would force you to drop the ball. I think I think it'd be easiest to score a try, personally. I don't know, Ken. I don't know. I mean, I mean, what, what's this not to it? Really, just stand on the stand on the on one of the sides and and wait for them to throw the ball to you and run over. What if there's a all covering winger or fullback? How are you going to beat him? Larm or step? S- side step, yeah. Yeah. Simple side step. <laughs> well, your, ankles, your ankles Find a soft are, shoulder. Your You're the last man in Ireland who can side step. They hang together by a thread. Yeah. <laughs> Chip and charge. <laughs> Chip and <laughs> charge. Chip and chase? Chip and chase. Yeah, yeah. Chip and charge kind of suggests you are going to bring the winger with you. Sorry, Bring I'm, the I'm, defending group. Do no. the maths on this, Murph. It's Man City every day. They score four goals a game. Dublin score on average no. probably one or maximum well, you two have to, goals no, no, no. You, I mean, you have a, to turn up. You, you basically have to turn up unmarked to the far post and tap the ball into the net like Gabriel Jesus does. Yeah. You do yeah. need a bit of pace to get there, I suppose. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you have to catch up with Leroy Sade or Raheem Sterling, which is just an impossibility. <laughs> that, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, where, that's, that's where I don't fancy myself. I, I would fancy myself more in a rugby setting some, of some being able to, to conquer at that level. So you see Joe Schmo in a Conor Callahan position where they just burn a really fast Mayo defender no, in an all no, no, final no, and no. stick one in the bottom corner. No, no, see, the thing <laughs> is, right, if you're playing corner forward for the Dublin football, how many hand-passed goals have you seen the Dublin footballer score over the last five or six years? It's unprecedented in the history of Gaelic football since they banned like actual hand passing goals you know like flicked yeah. hand goals they don't score that many goals full stop though ah, they score a lot less goals than Man City score yeah I still different think, codes I know yeah different codes uh, no I, I, I do think scoring a goal for Dublin in an early Leinster championship game is easier than any of those because basically like it's not like you have to time a run or something because the offside rule or something basically if you hang around near the goal playing for Dublin Bernard Brogan or someone is going to hand pass the ball across the goal for you to just like flap it into that and that's it. I'm saying those Man City players, if you're thrown in there, they're going to recognise the lack of quality that you have. Mm. They're going to want your confidence up. They're going to give you the opportunity to be your best self. Yeah. And they're going to lay one on a play for you. So I'm going for Man City. You're going for Dublin. Ken's yeah. going for the try. If you, if you got a penalty, you could score. Yeah, but Aguero's on the pens. I get too nervous. I want one of those chances I don't have to think about. Yeah, Dave, for some reason... Oh, yeah, Aguero's on the penalties. The rejoinder that you can take free kicks like you're (laughs) going to score a free kick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's the game. Well, you could. Sorry, Sergio. Sorry, Kevin. Feasibly score a free kick. (laughs) No. It's possible. No, I actually don't think that it's... Well, of course it's possible. No, if you took the the wall out of it, you still wouldn't have the physical power (laughs) to bury one past a... Premier League standard Of course, Owen, of course you would. The goal is like 24 feet wide. But have you seen how hard those professional footballers kick a ball, Ken? You've seen them in training a lot. You've seen them in matches. They really walloped that ball. You would physically not Not, be Not not at free kicks. You were mesmerised by the technique of Aidan McGeady at a training session. To the extent that you still talk about how good a trader Aidan McGeady is and how cleanly he strikes the ball. No, only only because I commented that McGeady had played very well in training. Then he played so abysmally in the match that people then started texting in saying, oh, I suppose McGeady looked great in training again. And that's the reason why. It wasn't that I'd never seen such a performance from a football player. I just (laughs) thought he played quite well that day for a training match. But, you know, in in, um, free kicks, the... Usually aren't kicking the ball that hard. Well, it depends how far away from you know how far outside the box the ball is. But you know, a even lot of those, those curled free kicks are quite well. They're much more difficult. They're much more difficult. Yeah, the sort of the quick up and down ones. That's a, that's pretty difficult to. to no, hear. I'm talking about even a standard curled free kick has a fair bit of pace on it. Now, what I'd be looking for is the um, is the ball laid to to one side and me to quickly come in with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Hammer it, hammer it low. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, the hammer of Temple Oog, as Ken Early is known. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'd be looking for. I mean, I don't know if I if I would have the technique to curl it around or over the wall. I'm visualizing how you would celebrate this as well, trying to remain stoic. Just a quiet little, little a couple of high fives. I'd celebrate it like Lehi the other day. <laughs> did you see Lehi's goal against yeah. Arsenal? It's nothing and then, he, and then he like was so delighted that he tried to run away and celebrate, but he just collapsed. Yeah, <laughs> he just <laughs> fell over. He couldn't. His whole body just. It was impossible for him to. He just short circuited and fell to the ground. Simon, that was, what, that was what I was. Simon do. Patriots wide receiver Wes Welker wasn't the biggest man in the world, and he got a lot of touchdowns. <laughs> I was going to say if Belichick was the coach, and say you're playing the Cleveland Browns, he could design a play for you for Brady to get you the ball. Dead rubber, a yard from the line, and then yeah, one of those crazy plays, and all the defenders are confused. And yeah. There's a five foot eight. Love to see Simon score a touchdown for the New England Patriots. Tom Brady having to throw the ball almost just at the ground so that Simon could reach it. Then afterwards, but gently, yeah. but gently too. It turns out so there was fast. some skullduggery involved, so the, the touchdown is cancelled retrospectively. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks for the email there, Rob slash Bob. Thanks very much, Ken. Thanks very much, Murph. Thanks thank very much, you. Simon. Oh, thank, thank you, Simon. Thank Thanks you for listening. Bye bye. Editor at secondcaptains.com if you want to send any other ridiculous emails like that into us. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those.